And you can follow along with us. We're going to be in Ephesians 5. We got uh, down to verse 8 last week, so we're going to be picking up in verse 8. Now, <clears throat> this chapter began with the instruction to be what? Does anybody remember? Paul instructed us in one important thing in the beginning of chapter 5 to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. So if we're those that have received his salvation and that life, then how we live should look very different than how we once lived prior to coming to Christ. And how you live is ultimately demonstrated by how you walk. So when Paul instructs us, be imitators of God now, he doesn't just leave it at that. He gives us some things that are beginning to show us what a walk or an imitation of God kind of begins to look like. And so Paul instructed us there in verse 2 of chapter 5 to walk in love. And when we're walking in love, well, that's one key way that we're going to be demonstrating Christ or living as imitators of God. But then Paul moves on now in verse 8 to look at another way that we should be walking and living, and that is to walk in light. Interesting that God in his word said that I am love and I am light. And so here now we're being called to demonstrate those things in how we walk as imitators of God, as lives that have been changed through salvation in and through Jesus Christ. It should be evident that we're living lives that are different now. So Paul continues to instruct us in these things. Look at what he says in verse eight. He says there, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So notice that there. Paul doesn't say in verse 8 that you were once in darkness. Though that is very true as we look at other scriptures and we begin to see that those that are walking apart from God are in darkness. They are blinded to the truth. There's a total eclipse of the heart, right? Literally. And they're walking in darkness. We know that to be true, but that's not what Paul says here. Paul doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. The very lives that you were living apart from Jesus Christ, apart from receiving his salvation, was that you were just kind of corrupt. You were dominated by the deeds of darkness. Our character and, and actions resembled all that was opposite of God. And anything that is opposite of God is going to be darkness. Because God is light. So Paul says, <clears throat> you weren't just in darkness. You weren't just kind of walking along, just sort of blinded by it. No, you were darkness. That was the reality for all of us. And, and I want you to kind of grasp that to see the importance now or the, the gravity of what Jesus has done for us. Because now Paul goes on to say that you now are light in the Lord. Again, he doesn't say you are in the light he says, you are light in the Lord. In other words, it's not as though we just take our lives and we go, you know what? <clears throat> I don't think that I'm really walking on a good path right now. It seems like I'm kind of in darkness. Maybe I better just walk in the light now. And suddenly we just kind of, and, and people talk about, well, I've been enlightened. I've seen the light now. I've been enlightened and it just kind of has come. And now suddenly, oh, everything is so much better. And I've just sort of improved my walk. That's not what Paul's getting at. 
He doesn't say you are now in the light. He says you are light in the Lord. In other words, this is something that God comes and he does for us in shining in our lives and bringing us salvation and newness of life to where you are now transformed. This is what makes Christianity so much different than all other religions because all other religions are gonna say, you know what, just improve yourself. You just go ahead and you start to just kind of grow in this enlightening experience and you just begin to live as a good person. You just improve yourself. You do all those things. But it gives you no power to be able to do so. God doesn't just say, come, walk in the light. He says, no, I'm gonna... I'm gonna transform you. I'm gonna do a work in you and I'm gonna make you new so that you now are light in the Lord. Think about that, how great that is. That God doesn't say, hey, what's the matter with you? Get your act together. Just start moving, no. He says, I'm gonna do a work of transformation in your life. We see that demonstrated here by this great biblical but. For you were once darkness, but now. You are light in the Lord. That word but speaks to these great turnarounds that God does in our lives. It's the but God statements that show he's at work transforming and changing us and making us new. New creations. How wonderful that is. Because he's done the work and not waiting for you to do the work. It says you are light. This makes that, it makes this that much more real and applicable to us here because I'm sure some of us would like this to rather read you will be light it's okay guys one day you can do it you can be light it's not what it says it says guys you're light we may not feel like it at times but the reality for us is that you're light Uh, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you your sin and to give you life now salvation you're light This isn't something we work for. This is something that you listen to right now and you go, oh, that's me today, now. That's why Paul says, but now you are light of the Lord. When Jesus came into the world, he declared he was the light of the world, John 8, verse 12. But then he said to his disciples in Matthew 5, verse 14, he said, guys, guess what? You are light of the world. I'm sure the disciples were sitting there going, wait a second, Lord, no. That's your title. That's for you. Have you seen us? You think we're going to be the... But Jesus says, no, you are light of the world. And he says that word you as though like it's you emphatically like you and nobody else. And you not will be, not can be, you are the light of the world. This is what Paul directs to us. So you're light of the world just for your faith in Christ you are light of the world because Jesus has done that work in you Paul says walk as children of light walk as children of light wherever your feet take you whatever you do in word or deed conduct yourselves here in this world as lights and in so doing you're gonna be imitating God the very thing that we've been instructed to do at the beginning of this chapter now this really isn't some complex thing for us as believers as much as we might like to try to make it that it's not like you have to sit here and really try to drum up some kind of light within you just need to hang out with Jesus you just need to spend time with Jesus 
it, it's the same thing we see with the moon. The moon not being a source of light in and of itself. What we see is the sun reflecting its light on the moon. When does the moon become dark to us? Only when the world gets in between the sun and the moon and eclipse. And it's the same for us. If we're just spending time with Jesus, us being light in the, in the world is simply happening because Jesus is just reflecting on us. And that grows the more that we spend time with Jesus. Guess how that light becomes diminished? When we allow the world or the things of the world to get in between us and the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we allow the things of the world to begin to dominate, the light begins to fade. And simply hang out with Jesus. It's the same thing that you know, Jesus said to his disciples when he's saying, listen, just abide in me. Abide in me and you're gonna, you're gonna bear fruit. The, the branch is not sitting there going, oh man, how am I gonna muster up fruit now? The branch doesn't have to worry about that. The branch just needs to be connected to the, to the vine, to the tree. And guess what? As a natural byproduct of that act, fruit is gonna come. And so Paul now begins to look at some of the fruit of light, some of the fruit that should be evident when we're just simply hanging out with Jesus and, and abiding in him. And this becomes the test. How do we know that we are really functioning in this way and living as light? Here's the test. It's the fruit of this light. Now, Paul, in the New King James Version, as I'm reading from here, it says that the, the fruit of the Spirit, many other translations say the fruit of of the light, and that seems to be more so in context what we're looking at. Some manuscripts had spirit there, the word pneumatos. Other manuscripts had the word light there, the word photos in Greek. And so, so it just seems in context that we're speaking about the light. And so the fruit of this light, and it all fits, whether it's fruit of the spirit or fruit of light, we know that this is all good principles to be living by, but he says it's in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if we're walking as children of light, it's going to be revealed by the fruit that we're producing. That's the test that we have. We're going to demonstrate goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness speaks of doing that which is uh, of good for one another. It is to be pursuing that which is beneficial for others. And righteousness is simply to uphold integrity, to do what is right in the eyes of God now. And then truth is, of course, living honestly and integrally. It's, uh, uh, truth is that which is at the heart of the gospel. It's lived out in the Christian community and honesty and forthrightness must be at the heart of all Christian relationships. So these three virtues seem to be also interestingly countering the very things that Paul in chapter four said to put away. Remember what he said in chapter four, some of the things to put away was to put away lying. So he says, here's the fruit of Walking light is truth. Put away, or he says, let him who stole steal no longer. So put on righteousness. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let goodness reign. Don't tear others down. Pursue that which is beneficial to others. Goodness. So Paul is saying, here's the fruit now. Your old ways were demonstrated by these negatives, but now your new life in Christ is demonstrated by these positives. The point Paul makes here in all this is that our behavior should be corresponding with our position in Christ. You're sons and daughters of God. So he says, start living like one. It's really that simple. Let your light shine. He says in verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we're on some journey of discovery. Like, well, we're just trying to find myself. Or we're just trying to find the, the will of the Lord. No, this word for finding out speaks of proving or testing. Proving or testing what is acceptable to the Lord. In other words, in all things that are going on, look at that and examine it and go, is this right in God's eyes? Is this good? Is this profitable? It's not that we have to go on a search and go, well, I'm just trying to figure out what the will of the Lord is. He says, discern these things, test these things, find out, examine it. Don't be walking in the dark, let your light shine and be testing what is pleasing to God. Be in the word of God and discover what it is that is pleasing to God. Learn and understand this is what the will of the Lord is. To follow these things. And we see this laid out so clearly to us in many scriptures. Romans chapter 12 is a good example of that. Where it says in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's it. Now, one commentator said that verse one centers on our, our pleasing God and verse two focuses on God's will pleasing us. In other words, it's beneficial. It says there, it's our reasonable service. These things are not unreasonable. These are very reasonable. And you, you find that when you begin to live out these things, man, you're gonna be walking in the blessing of the Lord. You're not gonna be looking at that going, God, why does this have to be so hard and heavy? Why does it have to be such a drag living these lives? No, as you begin to follow and be to the Lord, you're gonna be going, God, this is so good. This is so, this is more than reasonable. This is a blessing. This is strength. This is good. Man, I'm being so encouraged in this. It's a blessing when we walk in the light and live acceptable lives to the Lord. We read as we continue on in verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So Paul makes it pretty clear here. Not only as new creations in Christ are we to stop engaging in these things that are the unfruitful works of darkness, as he said already. Put those things aside. Have nothing to do with them any longer. Not only are, are we to stop engaging with them, but he says, and he takes it one step further, he says, expose them. And, and what he means is, we're to stop fellowshipping with these things. Stop fellowshipping with them. Don't just stop doing it. Stop connecting and partnering with those that are. See, we're to be bearing fruit now as followers of Christ, John 15, 16. Yet those who continue in darkness are just producing unfruitful works. Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together with those that are in darkness. What fellowship is light with darkness, it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Now, please understand something here. Paul is not saying, when he says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, he's not saying, stop being around them or stop, you know, just avoid them altogether. As some Christians would love to do, it's like, oh my goodness, you're not a believer? You're doing that? Oh my goodness, no, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I can't let that, you know, uh, taint me in any way or affect me, no way. 
And some Christians love to just hide and go, I'm not going to do anything in the world. The world is evil. There are sinful people out there, right? I can't be around them. This is not what Paul is saying. No, as believers, we see in the word of God that we have to be a light in the world. The light is only effective when it's shining in the darkness. And yeah, we have a dark world around us, but that's why we need to be in the world and and shining this light in the world. We want to be going out to see sinners get saved. We want to see those that are lost find salvation in Jesus Christ. Our heart should be, I want to be around those that are in the world because I've got something they need. And I want to share that. What Paul means, don't fellowship with them, he's saying, don't be those that are partaking in what they're doing. Don't be like them. Be different. Show a better way. Show the light of the Lord. There's some Christians that think, well, I'm just trying to win them over, so I'm just going to go ahead and do what they want. I don't want to offend them, right? I'm going to do whatever they're doing so that they kind of feel like us Christians are not so different after all. And, and, and there's some Christians that really blur the lines in those things. I'm not saying go and be, be weird, you know. I mean, be normal, love these people, but our heart should be, man, I've got light that I want to I share with you. I've got love that I want to share with you that is more than what you're going to experience in the world. It, it comes from God, the very source of love and light. And our heart should be to see the world being one for Jesus. That's what Paul is getting at. So here's what we should do. Expose these things. And we don't do this judgmentally. We don't go up to people and go, you sinner, how could you? Look at what you're doing. That's so awful. No, we don't. That's not, that's not what we're talking about in exposing these things. We're not, we're not doing so condemningly. We simply reveal through our light that there is harm and there is hurt that comes from the things that they're engaging in. They're in darkness. People that are walking in darkness are going to hurt themselves because they can't see the truth. They can't see what's going on around them. They're going to hurt themselves. So our desire is to come alongside to say, I want to reveal to you what's going on here in your life that, that is only going to bring further hurt or decay in your life. It's like, when you go to a dentist, right? Whether they sit back in that chair, they fall back, and boom, they bring that big light shining right down. And they just bring that light shining right in your mouth, open wide, right? Why? Because they want to see what's going on there. Oh my goodness, look at there's a huge gaping hole in that second upper left by cuspid right there. Oh my goodness, right? Oh, sorry, that's just a piece of lettuce. Yeah, maybe you should have brushed before you came in here, right? Did you ever have that happen, Tony? Anything like that ever happened? No? Okay. All right, he's good. Dr. Tony, I should say. So, um, the light is there to reveal what's going on, to, to indicate, man, there's some, there's some problems here. And, and it's that same light by which the doctor's going to be able to fix that. You're glad he's not bringing that drill in your mouth and the, you know, the power outage, there's no light going on. Say, like, well, you know what? I should be able to find my way around there. There's no light, but we'll be all right. No, you're like, no way. You're not doing nothing unless there's light there. And so the light comes and it exposes these things that are only going to bring further decay and hurt so as to make things right and better. Now, Paul says, if they're doing these things in the open, think about what's being done in secret. 
Actually, just don't even think about that. That's just too, too much to think about. He says, if they're doing these things in the open, living in and with the unfruitful works of darkness, imagine what's going on in the secret. So let us as Christians not be hiding out. Let us as Christians be going in to reveal light and to share truth and to give people hope and a better way of life, which is in and through Jesus Christ only the way, the truth, and the life. Paul writes in verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we're to be coming around people exposing darkness by the light that we are. It's this light, the light of the Lord in us that makes all these things clear or visible. That, that sin and the folly that others are committing. Now that last part of verse 13 is a little bit confusing when you, you, you hear for, for whatever makes manifest is light. It's kind of a little bit hard to comprehend a, a bit, but what it seems Paul is addressing is the effects of this light in transforming those that are in darkness and bringing them into light. It's like a transforming work that's, that's taking place. Whatever makes manifest or whatever makes visible now, in a sense, is like it becomes light. It gets brought into the light of God and experiences this new life in Christ when they open their heart to it. John Stott said this, this may, this may mean that Christians who lead a righteous life thereby restrain and reform evildoers, yes, and even convert them. For as their light shines, what it makes visible suddenly is light, just as the Ephesians themselves are light. Now, understand that as we're designed to shine our light in the world, and when we see darkness become illuminated, and what was once you know, done in darkness is now visible, understand our hope and our heart is that they realize, oh my goodness, this is not good. This is not healthy, what I'm, what I'm dealing with. Yeah, I want the light. That's what Paul's getting at. But understand, too, that there are those that will continue to run from the light. Jesus himself experienced that, the very light of the world that came into the world. Notice what we read in John 3, verse 19 and 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they, may have, that they have been done in God. See, not everyone gets excited by our light. We would love it to be so. Or we come on into a, a group of people and they're like, oh, suddenly I can see a little bit more clearly now. There's light. Oh, man, I'm recognizing my, it'd be great for people just to respond like that, but it's not the way that the world is always gonna respond. In fact, the world said, we want to extinguish that light, and they sought to do so by crucifying Jesus on the cross. But Jesus says, man, I'm gonna have a whole group of people that are gonna continue to shine my light in the world. You cannot put that light out not everyone's going to be excited, but it will draw those that desire truth. Don't give up or be ashamed of this light. I would rather walk into a room 
and have everyone scatter like cockroaches than have people feel comfortable remaining in darkness with me being there. Let's keep shining our light. Let's keep seeking the Lord to be reflecting in us and through us and illuminating the darkness around us. Paul kind of quotes uh, an interesting passage here. Um, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Uh, William Barclay said, Paul introduces the quotation as if everybody knew it, but no one knows where it came from. There are certain interesting suggestions. He says, almost certainly, being in the form of poetry, it's a fragment of an early Christian hymn. It may well have been part of a baptismal hymn. In the early church, all, nearly all baptisms were of adults confessing their faith as they came out, as, came out of the old religion and into Christianity. Perhaps these were the lines that were sung as they rose out of the water to symbolize the passage from the dark sleep of the past life to the awakened life of the Christian way. So Paul says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life or light. And there are those today that just continue to wake up. As Paul has been speaking to the Ephesian church, he's speaking to Christians and he's been saying, Listen, here's how you once were, but you're no longer to live that way. Put aside those things. And it's like he's saying, awake now. Awake out of sleep. Take off those grave clothes and walk in light. Stop sipping into the old way and live in the blessing of new life. Since we have a pretty big responsibility of shining this light and exposing darkness, Paul next encourages us in another way to walk. We've seen how we're to walk in love, how we're to walk in light. But now Paul instructs us, so walk in wisdom. As light bears in the world, you're gonna need wisdom. So walk in wisdom. And he says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So watch your walk is what we're told to do here. Again, our walk is indicative of what we're living for. If you're a child of God, Live like one, plain and simple. Now that word circumspectly is translated elsewhere as carefully or accurately or perfectly. So it's as though he's saying, see then that you walk carefully. See then that you walk accurately. See then that you walk perfectly. The idea here is that we don't let that light be snuffed out by walking in a manner that is foolish. That's not presenting a clear witness or reflection of Jesus. Walk carefully and walk in wisdom. Don't be foolish in what you do, but be wise. I've been thinking a lot about these days that we're living in now and the same you know, words come to mind that Jesus shared with his disciples as he was sending them out when he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's, that's walking in wisdom. We read there, to redeem the time in verse 16. That word redemption, of course, is a, a word that spoke of, you know, buying back, purchasing for yourself. It's what Jesus has done for us in redeeming us and paying the price by dying on a cross, paying the, the purchase price for our lives to be made new in him. So this is as though it's speaking of buying up for yourself opportunity to do good, to do what's right. See, it doesn't necessarily speak of, 
of time, redeeming the time, time in the sense of, you know, minutes and seconds and that which we think of a time, but rather time as in season. In other words, saying, take the season of opportunity. See, this is the, the time for the church to be active in living out their faith in the world. This is the season we're in right now where it's been called the, the, the church age. This is the season of opportunity that we have to be influencing, to make a difference in the world. But that season, as all seasons, isn't going to be around forever. And when that opportunity goes, we don't have another opportunity to take that opportunity here. Now, Paul similarly used that word for um, opportunity. He used in Galatians 6, 9, 10. When he used the word season and opportunity, it's the same word that he, he speaks of here. Redeeming the, the time. Redeeming that opportunity. Redeeming the season. Our English word, Wearsby says, our English word opportunity comes from the Latin. It means toward the port. It, it suggests a ship taking advantage of the wind and tide to arrive safely in the harbor. The brevity of life is a strong argument for making the best use of the opportunities that God gives us. He says, here's why we need to do it. Because the days are evil. We're living in times where it seems people are drifting further and further away from the word of God, from God being the priority of their lives, from God being just recognized as the source of life. We live in an age where it's just getting more and more evil. Now think about this in Paul's day. He writes this because they were seeing it happening. They're dealing with the heavy persecution of the church by Rome. And they didn't have any assurance that they'd be given another opportunity to tell people about Jesus. For them, each day they wondered, is this going to be my last day? I mean, think about the kinds of trouble and persecution Christians were going through then. I mean, we have it easy compared to that. But Paul writes, listen, the days are evil, so redeem the time. Take every opportunity you got to be light in the, in the world, to be showing the love of God, to be a witness in the world, to talk about Jesus, to bring him in your conversations, to point people to him and to see lives be changed by his wonderful grace and salvation. How about us, though? Do we live with that same urgency? Do we look for those opportunities to shine light in the darkness? Do we just kind of go, ah, well, you know what? We've got lots of time. Or do we live every day saying, Lord, help me to take today and this opportunity? Because as you can see, things are changing drastically and quickly. We, we're living in days where who would have thought this even just a few months ago? that we never know when is the next time we're going to be able to just meet together as a church. I mean, times are changing drastically. And here we are in the season right now where the church is to be living boldly in the world. And we don't know when that season is going to end. We don't know when, when we won't have that opportunity because we're not going to be here any longer. I believe Jesus is coming soon. I firmly believe that. But it doesn't mean we just shrink away and, and, and hide out and wait. It means we redeem the time. We take every opportunity to be 
salt and light of the world, that we share Jesus Christ with every person we get a chance to, that we take the opportunity, because the days are evil, keep pressing on, be full of courage, my friends. Notice what what Paul says here, therefore, verse 17, we'll end with this verse, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, because of what we see going on around us, the days being evil, walk in wisdom and understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we as Bible-believing Christians need to understand that, you know, we don't expect the world to get better. I, I think about what we see in God's word. I mean, our days are resembling more and more like what Paul was dealing with in his day, but more and more our days are resembling what we see in the book of Revelation, leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. And so there are those that seek to know the will of the Lord and live according to know the will of the Lord, but fail to really understand the will of the Lord. See, it might be in the will of the Lord that, and we know it is according to his word, that things are not going to get more and more Christian, right? But yet, he's still carrying on his purposes and his plans. We have to understand God's will. If it's God's will for, you know, Pastor Randy to be put in jail, well, then we need to understand, Lord, what are you doing through that? What is your will in that? We don't sit there and go, oh my goodness! It's all crumbling down. It's, we're being defeated. No, we don't look at that and go, oh, no, we go, God, you're gonna accomplish your purposes and your will through this. Maybe we have an understanding that Though things may not unfold the way that we always want them to, they're unfolding exactly the way that God has designed it to. So we understand his will. Paul, he's writing this book from jail. He's a prisoner. That's why we've titled this series Letters from Prison. He's writing all these things, but he's sharing the the hope that we have. He's not freaking out in panic mode. Going, God's accomplishing his purposes through all this. And may we understand that in our day. May we not see things happening and freak out and panic. No, may we be filled with even greater courage and strength to say, God, the world's not falling apart. It's falling in a place according to your design and according to your will. And in it all, your purposes are gonna prevail. So Lord, may I continue on with that heart of boldness to say, let me redeem the time. Let me take, make the most of every opportunity I have to shine my light and to make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Worship team, come up and uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time here together to be encouraged in your word. And Lord, we do want to just understand more and more all that you're doing. And oftentimes it looks very different than what we would want, but help us to line up with your will. And help us, Lord, to be full of courage today and strength to be emboldened to say, while we've got the time, may we go into the world and seek to shine brightly for you, making a difference in this world. You've called us to be light, called us to be imitators of you, walking in love. May we do so. Help us in that. Fill us with your spirit. Enable us to do so, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. We're gonna close the song, but you wanna share some announcements real quick with us? Thanks. So good morning, everyone.